What's up? What's up? Welcome back to another yo, episode yo. of Unapologetically Black, Never Broken, Always Empowered. I am Brittany, joined by my co-host Rich. Gang. Yeah, and we're being joined by Anthony and Roderick. Rod, how are you guys feeling? I'm doing fine. How about y'all? Good. Good. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, you know, I guess I'll kick it off. Uh, we always kick off every episode with a mental health check-in. So I guess I'll, I'll kick it off. Uh, my week has been blah, I would say. Um, but it's, it's something that happened, I'm telling you right now. Like, holidays are stressful. Typically around this time frame, I'm not as stressed because I've already done all my shopping in like October, November. This year, a little different with the late move and some other stuff that came up. Shopping is just taking a little bit longer. Uh, so, but other than that, I'm good. How y'all doing? Um, so I, I'm, I'm well. We usually start with our guests, but I guess we'll start with ourselves. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty good. I, I did have a little, you know, issue last week um, with my job mm. that got ironed out today. So that was that was good, um, and that kind of added to our stress with the holidays. And all of that coming up. So I'm glad that got ironed out. Um, I have really bad social anxiety and anxiety is around different like nuances and conversations. I don't like talking about money. Like mm. I, if I feel like I have to come to you about it, it's like it makes me feel very uncomfortable. And it was just kind of something I had to get over in my head to, right. to have the conversation and to, um, and to figure that out. Yeah, so. it's weird. I think a lot of people have issues when it comes to com- conversing about money. Um, it's one of the major, um, issues in relationships, uh, and not just marriages or, you know, spousal relationships, but friendships friendships, and friendships in general. Money is one of the major factors for people to either stay friends or not stay friends. When I borrow $20 from you, like, you know, nigga, nigga need to pay that back. Right. If you said Friday, I'm (laughs) expecting Friday. And if I have to ask you on Saturday, now we have an issue and why? Cause you know, I shouldn't have to ask you. you Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into that. Right. Anthony, how are you feeling? Welcome back. Um, If you guys do not remember Anthony, he was on our music and therapy episode a couple months ago um, in October. So welcome back. Um, How are you feeling? How's your week been? Yeah, thank you all for having me again. Uh, My week is it's pretty good. Can't complain too much. It's a shorter week for me. So this time of year, I try to take a little bit more time off. a little break, a little self-care. So have a shorter week, um, <clears throat> I guess, the, the next few weeks until the end of the year. So I'm um, looking forward to those breaks. But the week has been pretty pretty okay so far. Okay. Awesome. What about you, Rod? How you feeling? Um, I'm a little drained. Um, this, this time of year is uh, especially hard for the, uh, the people that we work with, the uh, individuals and everything. So they kind of pulling me every which way, so I'm stretched pretty thin mm. nowadays. I'm just working on a lot of stuff um, for some of our clients, uh, some of the elderly ones. I'm trying to get them placed so that they won't be homeless, especially when it's cold outside. It's mm-hmm. it's a hard thing. What state you in? Virginia, Hamden, oh, Virginia. They get cold as fuck. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, right. You in Texas talking about cold outside. Yeah, that's why I was like, cold? I mean, it's cold, but it ain't that damn cold. No, it's not. Well, we've been lucky so far that it hasn't been like super cold yet. Yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y'all, so y'all didn't get hit with the snow like New York did? New York, out of nowhere, not at all. hit with a bunch of snow. It's no. 50s and 60s here. Okay, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. We, we still in our 70s. I will say, like in the DMV area, winter is it at its worst. In like January, January, February. Yep. So, January, February is when we get the snow. Exactly, it's like towards the end. You think it's over, but nah, mm-hmm. it, pulls right, it pulls you right back in. For um, Texas, that's its coldest time too. February, March is its coldest. Mm-hmm. We did get hit with a winter blizzard. Uh, well, I said winter blizzard, winter storm. It wasn't a blizzard, but it was ice everywhere. And for Houston, Houstonians, you yeah, might as well have just shut shut the city down because motherfuckers was. In their house, trapped everywhere. It was ice all over the road. Nobody know how to drive. That's Virginia. Right. It was it was wild, man. Yeah, well, the worst part about it out here is is that they act like they never seen snow every year. It's a shock. <laughs> they're like they're out there salting the roads at the same time. I'm trying to get to work. You're, mm-hmm. You were supposed to bend out here. Like, why is it a surprise? Always um, me. Exactly. Um, But as we talk about this time of the year and the holidays and and all of that, today's episode is about seasonal depression. And I do think it is important if if you've been a fan and been listening to us for the entire year we've been doing this. Last year in December, we actually dedicated the entire month to depression um, and mental health each episode we talked about a different aspect of it and and Rod was a part of those conversations then as well. Um, But seasonal depression specifically is something that um, affects everyone. I mean, depression as a whole, you know, anybody can, can become depressed or fall into depression, but seasonal depression is something that kind of hits home, even if you don't have a history of, um, of any type of, of mental health issues yeah. or yeah I, I i i not to be insensitive but i dislike using the word depression rather than like some people it's just like just a sad time right like if you're mm-hmm. just sad or homesick i don't like i don't like for them to be like yeah i'm depressed like no you're not depressed bro you're just sad which are, which are two different things uh, i i always the way i was taught depression is more of a clinical thing like you have to be diagnosed with it right things like that um, where most most of the guys, especially while I was serving, were just homesick. Like they just wanted to be home for for the holidays, and they couldn't go home because we were either in the field or deployed somewhere, or you just simply, you know, had duty and you just couldn't do it. Um, okay. And for me, for the most part, I'd be like, Nah, bro, y'all are just sad. Find something to do. <laughs> like just go do something, and you'll be okay. Go to the gym or fucking, you know, go hang out at the strip club or something, and you'll be all right. <laughs> and for the most part, most of those guys, I would say about ninety nine percent of them were just that, just motherfuckers that just missed their mama, missed their family. They were younger, the younger guys. The, the older guys like me, where we had our family here with us, didn't really go through that. as You didn't see that as much um, for, for those NCOs and staff NCOs that had families there already. It was those younger guys, the PFCs that had just checked into the unit that, uh, that did all of that. Um, but that, at least that's what I've seen when it comes to the season, right? The, the holiday time frame. So. Right. So with that being said, I guess, you know, my first question is what what is seasonal depression? Then, you know, as Rich said, depression in his definition has to be clinically diagnosed. What would you you know, define seasonal depression as? 
and you know anyone can take that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, Anthony, go first, if you want. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of in the name, right? Seasonal depression for a lot of people. It, it does begin around the fall, you know, time, uh, the change of the season. Um, when, you, when you research it, look up a lot of things, it's about the lack of daylight, the less sunlight, right? So um, sometimes you have people that live in areas that don't get much sunlight at all, right? And people will say, you know, they have symptoms of depression. Kind of like what Rich is talking about. It depression is kind of thrown around loosely a lot of time. So I, I get what people mean when they say oh, I feel depressed or I'm depressed. But a lot of times I tell people they just have depressive symptoms, right? You can you have to meet a certain number of the criteria to be like he's talking about diagnosed with depression or even with you know seasonal depression. There's criteria that has to be met, like. It can't just be one winter you felt sad or depressed or a list of things. It has to be multiple times, you know, or two years in a row or whatever mm -hmm. uh, the specific criteria. But, um, you know, that's kind of my, you know, small tidbit on the understanding I have of it. And, you know, Rod, of course, you can add whatever you have. Yeah. So, yeah, just to piggyback off of that, um, you're 100% correct. It, it's just depressive symptoms that occur around the same time every year around the fall and it lasts through the winter um usually you get some reprieve around uh springtime but um yeah you get the, the uh people are indoors um there's less sunlight so people aren't outside you know in nature you know people are just Kind of, you get kind of cabin fever, and then the holidays are around this time. So there are people like Rich was saying that are, that can't be home, so are homesick. There are people who, uh, you know, reminisce about family members who may not be here, or reminisce about uh, family times that they don't have anymore because they may have grown older, grown apart don't live in the same area anymore, can't do those same holiday traditions that they used to. Um, and so people get sad. Um, that's kind of the, the acronym for it. Uh, seasonal affective disorder is sad. Um, oh shit. I've never even thought of it like that. <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah. so they, some people call it seasonal depression. Um, some people call it seasonal affective disorder. The acronym is sad. Oh, so please. would seasonal affective disorder be um, less clinical in the in the having to meet requirements or is it the same and just another word for? I think it's the same, just another word for. Okay. Yeah. It's not. That's yeah. One isn't more. It's, it's pretty much the same. How okay. can. So one of my one of my questions is, is how can people tell the difference in in, in 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 what they would consider to be anxiety and then what would you know when it comes to a change of a new location new area versus depression right i, mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people um they, they just have a lot of anxiety around that time frame because they're either trying to meet deadlines for a lot of projects at work that happens around the winter um buying gifts and and almost going broke a lot of people go broke or into debt a lot trying to get gifts for other people how do how can how do how are you able to tell the difference between what's anxiety and what's actual depression yeah i feel like 
with anxiety and depression, there's some overlap. They they can appear uh, similar, right? Um, a lot of people sometimes don't know how to di differentiate between the two um, because with anxiety, a lot of people, you know, have irrational thoughts, um, these recurring thoughts. But with depression, you can have those same things, you know, and, and they also have physical symptoms, which can be similar. Um, you know, lack of energy, fatigue, different things, isolation. So for with in, in therapy, you know, it's it's kind of our job to kind of ask more questions to see which boxes, I guess you could say they check and in, in, on which side. Um, there's certain things that have to be met for each side. So some people will come in saying they, they feel anxious, but you find out they, they may be more depressed and you don't understand that until you have longer conversations and do intakes and, and discuss more of what those symptoms look like. But I think it goes back to, um, like you were talking about as well, people just, you know, we, we say what we think we know, you know, so we say, I feel anxious because mm -hmm. that's just what we feel. But then you learn more about what's happening with yourself and with your thoughts, you learn, you know, more where this, where these things stem from and triggers and different causes. So there's no way to kind of just look at it and be like, like without going into a deep analysis, but like, nah, bro, you just, you just, you just having anxiety issues. Like, is there a way to do that? Well, for me to like to self, like do a self remedy for myself, you know, before mm -hmm. I go see somebody, is there a way for me to do that? Or is it like, nah, bro, you should probably just go see somebody. So don't shake your head at me, woman. <laughs> you probably don't see somebody, bro. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's always good to get like a professional opinion. Like when you are sick, you know, there's a whole bunch of different illnesses that have similar symptoms, hmm. uh, similar to what Anthony was saying with uh, anxiety and depression. There's some overlap, just like when you have the cold and the flu, there are symptoms that overlap, but you may want to go get a doctor's opinion or professional opinion to determine whether or not you really have the flu or if it's just the cold so that you can, you know, treat yourself or get the proper treatment. Cause you don't want to be getting flu treatment. And even though some of the symptoms, you know, are similar and you'll probably get relief from it, it's still the best to get, you know, the, the appropriate mm -hmm. treatment for, you know, what's really mm -hmm. going on. Right. Yeah, you know, piggyback, piggybacking off what he just said, right? Now things are a little bit more complex, right? You have cold, flu, or you have COVID, right? So a bit before COVID, you're like, I got the cold or flu. Now, most people are like, man, you, you probably got COVID, or you probably should get away from people, and you know, it's it's so right. it's 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 different. So you wouldn't, you know, maybe now people are a little different, but before, if you felt a little cold symptoms, you the last couple of years, like, man, I probably got COVID, or I might have COVID. So you were you would definitely go get a doctor's opinion and a testing. Yeah. But before COVID, people were like, "I probably can handle it with some over like, counter situations." I feel like since COVID, no one you don't get sick from anything else other than COVID. That's it. That's that's all you get. That's it. What? You can break your foot and you have COVID. Like doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Sneeze, you got COVID. Anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And that's the automatic assumption. Um. So I guess my question is. Um. So obviously seasonal depression is seasonal, right? Um, do you guys ever see that in other seasons that aren't just fall into the winter? Or do you ever see seasonal depression kind of transgress into general depression throughout the rest of the year? Or is it strictly what it is? I'm sad from 
you know, October to February, and then I get back into the swing of things. Yeah. Um, so the the thing with that, you know, differentiates seasonal depression from like uh, clinical depression or like major depression is that it only lasts for the season and it's around the same time every year. It's around when the fall and the winter time occur. Um, I will say that for places that, you know, like that don't get much sunlight anyway, mm. um, you will just see like high Alaska. Rain. Yeah, uh, Seattle, the way it rains and stuff a lot. Um, mm. You will see just higher rates of depression, period, because it's it's the the lack of sunlight and and things like that. That's really like the big key. Okay, so like yeah. weather plays a, a major factor into whether someone may feel or not feel as depressed. Yeah, as humans, right? Yeah. Like today was a rainy day, and all day yeah. I was like, I want it yeah. to be well, over. But I, for, for not, me, I don't call that depression. I'm just saying. I know it's a because. For me, I, I like I walk out and I'm like, damn, it's gloomy or like it's, mm-hmm. it looks so depressing outside, mm-hmm. and that's just due yeah. to weather. But is that is that something that we should say, or is it something more like where, where we use the word? Because I know, like I said, we use the word depression loosely. So is that something that we should just kind of throw around? Like, man, it looks depressed. Like it looks so depressing, depressing outside. Or should we just say something different? Like, no, it's just it's just very rainy. Because I know a lot of people get dissensitive when you talk about depression yeah. and, and saying not just depression, like but your your yeah. your verbiage in a lot of cases are. I mean, I'm trying. That's why I'm trying to find the best way verbiage. to say this sentence without yeah. pissing people off. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you'll get canceled for saying uh, that it looks depressing or or that hey. that depressed. I, I I get what you're saying, but I don't think that's one of the things that people are like, man, why'd you say that? Right? Mm-hmm. It's. I think that's it's use so often that mm-hmm. I use it, you know, being a therapist, I'm like, man, uh, the weather's depressing today, but I don't, I don't, I don't even think twice about it. You know what I mean? But I guess it just depends on the, the environment you in or, or, or maybe, but I don't feel like people take that, that serious, but kind of going back to something you said, uh, my wife's sister's in the, in the air force in Alaska. So like, she has talked about how depressed, especially the newer people are, right. um, that aren't from, you know, especially the ones who are from places like, California, Florida, different places where the weather, you know, um, the weather is it's much sunnier, warmer often, you know, and people choose to live those places because of those reasons. So she's talked about how, you know, depressed some of the people she works with is, some of the people, and, you know, especially like the military, there are, you know, conversations, especially these days about suicide and about monitoring the people in the military, the ones, like you said, are homesick and different things like that, especially, you know, the younger ones who haven't been right. away before necessarily so so now she's like it's dark all the time you know so you have to figure it out which whether that's getting treatment and therapy or something or like you said people being active in whatever ways and staying busy or studying or whatever they have going on so what are some healthy ways to be active to kind of help combat seasonal depression well um, yeah one of the first things is you know we get vitamin D from the sunlight and you know that helps uh you know vitamins are important it helps with your mood and things like that so um you got to 
I would see a doctor to determine whether or not you have a vitamin D deficiency um, during this time. And if so, either get you like a, a sun lamp or um, take some vitamin D supplements to, you know, um, fill in the gaps for when mm-hmm. you don't get the direct sunlight. Because that, that's a big thing. What we're talking about in the weather is really just the vitamin D that we get from the sun that, that mm. affects the mood. Yeah. Okay. And vitamin D is, is um, deficiency is more prevalent in Af- African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that goes back to just, you know, Black people trusting the medical, you know, healthcare systems and things like that, not going to the doctor, not knowing what you know their their results and things like that because honestly i didn't know i I had vitamin d deficiency till i got blood work done you know as i get in my 30s and i was like what are you talking about i had never even heard of that before Mm. and he just gave me like some vitamins he's like just take them over time and i'm like oh okay then i looked it up and i realized that a lot of black people struggle from that unknowingly and then they're like oh i have these mental health you know struggles and things like that but it's a lot of times people taking care of their medical um can you know, answer some questions about why they're in a, you know, certain mental health space as well. Uh, And that kind of leads into um, my next question about suicide in general being higher in, in the black community, in black males than in black women. Um, And just speaking on our community as a whole Um, and just what do you believe contributes to that? And, And you saying, you know, going to the doctor, which we know in our community is a big, it's a big deal for black men. They, they don't. Um, but are there any other factors that you think play into, into that? I, I'll, uh, uh, okay. Let me disclaimer. Richard's not a doctor. Okay. <laughs> we know. Just throw that out there. Richard's not a doctor. Uh, I do not have a PhD. I have a bachelor's in business and I'm working on my master's. So no, nah, not a doctor, but, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know man just, yeah i like to point that out there to people it, it for me i have i take issue with I, I don't take issue with going to a doctor i mean if you guys want to go to a doctor please go by all means i just for me it's hard finding a doctor that looks like me mm-hmm. right out you know yeah you guys are but in right. my area in my where i'm at they don't look like me. So it's hard for me, for me to feel like they understand mm-hmm. what I'm either talking about, what I'm going through and stuff like that, because they, they don't, they're not, not necessarily not me, but they just don't understand my history. So mm-hmm. when I'm talking about how black people operate and how everybody gets together at grandma house on Christmas Eve and how we do all this, all of that, you know, I just feel like they don't, they, they don't understand that. And for me, it's something that I never seen growing up. My granddaddy didn't really go to the doctor that much, mm-hmm. you know, unless it was like, ah, I'm a chess. Like mm-hmm. I have to go to the doctor. Cause if not, I'm a die. Yeah. Right. So it was one of those things where they were like, man, look, and as a man, it's just one of those things where I just learned, man, look, they don't care anyway. Suck that shit up and, and, and figure it out. And it's just, that's just one of those things that I've learned um, to do um, is to just learn how to cope within myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll I point that out sometimes. That's not the best way to do stuff. It's not always the healthiest way of doing things, but it's just the way that I've lived the last 32 years of my life. It's just through self coping um, mm-hmm. and self figuring it out. So. That's just me. 
It's not just you though. Like, you know, that, that you, you're speaking for a lot of, of black men, um, both former military and otherwise. So growth. I mean, and that, but that's, that's a lot of the issues in the black community as a whole. That's why we don't know about financial literacy because our parents didn't teach us or didn't do it or wasn't aware. That's why we don't know about, you know what I mean? So like, it's a lot of those generational things that, that we have to break in. And we're talking about getting a physical, that's not even mental health. Mental health is a whole different barrier um, that to break down. but it, and as far and I know the question talked about suicide, but for for me, and I'm going to say this again, Rich is not a doctor, uh, and and the views of mine are not necessarily the views of unapologetically black. <laughs> I want to make sure that we understand this because I, the way I view suicide, is I find it to be one of the biggest cop outs there is, right? And I know, I, physically speaking, obviously it doesn't hurt. It doesn't affect the person that committed suicide. It affects those that are around them. But I, I've, ne- I've always told myself that's not a way, like it would literally just create more harm than it would good. Not necessarily for me, but for those around me, right? And I feel like that's just a very selfish thing to do. Um, you know, because especially if you have kids, now someone else has to watch your kid, you know, figure things out. Kids, if you were married now, your spouse has to take care of that responsibility while mourning you, they have to now take care of responsibility of your load and theirs on with the kids and everything else. So I just, I, to me, I, there's always another way, you know, other than- Absolutely, there's always another way. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. But that's, that, again, I know I don't understand clinical depression. I don't understand how what goes in people's minds. And right. That's the only way. And I don't know that. Yeah. So I'm gonna leave that to y'all, y'all the doctors. I'll, um, I'll comment on something you said earlier is mm-hmm. that's one of, you know, I believe the reasons for the, the higher suicide rate in, in black males is just what you said of, you know, lack of access to, you know, therapists, clinical, you know, mental health professionals that look like them. Right. So that's just, you know, no matter where you are, there's a shortage, there's a need. So there are a lot of people who, do say, well, I may potentially go to therapy if I could find somebody who looks like me. And then they can't, it's not simple. You know, a lot of things, if it's not simple, then, you know, you just push it to the side because you've been doing all right for 32 years, right? So you probably can continue to manage. So I feel like that's one reason too, because a lot of untreated, you know, mental health things for people, especially black men um, go untreated and then they progress or worsen. And then you get to the point of what you're talking about then of, people seeing themselves more as a burden than, you know, than being helpful, right? They're like, oh, two people should be able to manage and take care of the family, help, you know, with bills, take, but a lot of those people that are depressed or severely depressed where they want to harm themselves, typically see themselves as people would be better off if I wasn't around. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that leads them to those thoughts that sometimes, oftentimes are irrational. But like you said, when you're struggling with, you know, severe depression, everything you feel, you you know, think is real to you because you're in it and nobody can, can really help you out of it until you kind of get severe treatment as in therapy. A lot of people take medication, you know, things of that nature. So I, I have a, just a question to both of you. Are you, um, are you psychologists or psychiatrists in, in your 
do you guys prescribe medicine or are you just say, is there a difference therapy? between the two? So psychiatrists prescribe medicine. Right. They they mm. give you pills for whatever, you know, ailments you have. And then there's therapists and psychologists who talk therapy and, you yeah. know, get through to you in that manner. Mm. Um, so in your professions, are you, are you guys therapists or do you guys prescribe medicine? So I'm, I am a therapist. I don't prescribe medication at all. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I see the benefit of medication and, you know, I've seen it work like in real time. Mm -hmm. um, I think that my expertise are best served being a, a therapist only because with, with psychiatrists, they're mostly focused on the medical, uh, the medication part. Um, they're trying to, you know, medication isn't a perfect science. So they're trying to get the perfect cocktail or, or the perfect med that works for this person at the right dosage. Um, they don't really get into your story or what makes you tick as much as a therapist does. So I'm more interested in getting to know what makes a person tick or make what got a person to where they are. They're, just, they're trying to get you stable on the uh, medication psychiatrists are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm a therapist as well. Okay. And I, I asked that because um, in my, so in my personal experiences with depression, um, my sister, so my mother was a, a double amputee. She was um, mostly blind, completely blind on her left side and very low vision on her right. And her health issues started um, as soon as my sister turned 16. So as soon as she got her driver's license, she was instantly my mother's caretaker. Um, and depression in general runs in my family, um, on my dad's side. So it, it hit her kind of hard. And when she finally came to my mom, was like, I, I want to talk to somebody. Like, I need to talk to someone. She, um, she was referred to a psychiatrist who put her on, you know, antidepressants, mood stabilizers. And it was in those medications, probably wrong dosage, because I'm also not here to shut down westernized medicine and, and pills, but um, it was because of those medicines she was on that caused her to um, attempt suicide. And she even said that it was an outer body experience. Like she, you know, was just, she ended up taking the whole bottle of pills. And as soon as she finished the last one, she immediately went to my mom was like, I just took all these and they, you know, went to the hospital. But it was, she was saying that it, it just was not her. She felt like she was being essentially controlled by an outside um, force and just taking the medicines because her, you know, she was off balanced, essentially. Um, so that's why I asked about just your experience and, and how you, with your uh, your clients and your patients, how how you tackle it. Is it is it from a medical perspective or is it from a, a therapy point of view? So I've always left uh, when I go to therapy, when I went to a therapist, I always left more confused than when I entered, right? Because I'm I I'm more logical. I, I I deal in like, hey, what's your issue? Oh, I have a flat tire. Okay, you need to go get another tire, mm -hmm. type of deal. But every time I went, I would leave. I'm like, yo, like, what the fuck? Like, I came in because I'm talking about my, you know, I'm just getting out of the military. I need a job. I need this. I need that. And you know, it get it. I, I have anger issues. And they would ask me like, "Well, why are you angry?" Like, because I don't. <laughs> I have, just told you, I just I got don't out have of a job. <laughs> like, I just got out of this area. I don't have a job. Or, well, what do you think of some things that you could do? Bitch, get a job. Like, <laughs> are you listening to me? Like, why are you? 
And so sometimes I find like there's no logical point behind, like a lot of times they just try to get you to think. And I'm like, I didn't come here to think. I came here to either A, vent, or B, get an actual solution. Like, go do this. Then go do that. Should it be that way? Or should it be more of the no, we spark you to think on your own to kind of get you to do what you want to do? Healing comes from within. You can't have someone tell you how to heal. Bullshit. Surgeons can sew up your goddamn arm and it'll fucking... There you well, go. We're not talking about an outside we're, ailment. We're not talking about the, the we're wounds. We're talking about <laughs> your mental. Yeah, these are the wounds that you can't see. The so it's, it's, it's not like uh, surgery. But um, what you were saying, is it... Um, so logical problems typically have some type of emotion behind them. So... When the, when the therapist was probably asking you those questions, they were trying to get to like the root of it. They were, cause you, you may come in with a problem. You say you had anger issues. Okay. Well, let's get to why you're having these anger issues and where does it stem from? You may think that it comes from just not having a job, but when you delve deeper, it may be some feelings that I'm, you know, inadequate or I'm not, you know, needed or I'm not the man of the provide, house. you know, yeah. So it's, it might be some, some other feelings there. So it may not just be a logical thing that they can just fix. Yeah. Like, like Ryan's talking about <clears throat> a lot of times what we see on the surface level might not be exactly how a person feels. Right. Like if you feel you, you might see anger, but it might be something else. It might be disappointment. It might be, you know, failure. It might be, like they said, feeling inadequate, but you 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 present it as anger. Some people cry, some people isolate, some people do other things. And people, you know, we, we only know what we can see. So we assume like Rich is angry, but Rich might just be hurt. Yeah, Rich might pretty. just be, you know, different things like that. <laughs> but you know I don't it's... care about your feelings, Rich. <laughs> <I'm> just okay. <laughs> but um, I think like going back to what you said about therapy, for me always especially new you know clients i have I always give some disclaimers about um what it, what their the therapy experience will be like with me at least because i always tell people it may be different than what you saw on tv it may be different than what your friend your family told you about therapy because every therapy every therapist is different right you might see me and feel one way you might see rod and feel a different way mm-hmm. you know and i always tell people it's about fit um you know, and I say, you don't have to keep seeing me if you don't feel like this is a good fit. And I, I let them know that they don't have to. They don't. So because some people feel pressure. So it's like if you go to the mechanic and he messed up your car or you don't make you feel whatever or you don't feel comfortable. Would you keep going back and spending money with that person? Whatever service. Right. So it's like people do shop around for therapists because sometimes when you find the right fit, it's like anything. Right. You become more comfortable. You, you become more open. And you feel more honest and you feel like the conversation is more easy going where now you're just talking about things and you're discovering things in a easier fashion compared to when it's not a good fit and you feel like everything's forced and you feel like, like you said, leave more frustrated or confused. I, I think, I think that's another part too, though, uh, for a lot of young black men like myself, money might be it. I, I've seen some therapists that charge, $200 an hour to $300 an hour. And I'm like, I don't have that kind of bread. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I so I'll just go talk to to my boy who ain't going to charge me $200. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. an hour to talk to him. You know what I'm saying? It, do you do you guys think that maybe sometimes pricing might sway people one way or, or the other? I I think it's like a lot of things, right? If there's there's services for everybody. You know, the, the quality, I can't always speak to that because I'm not in every level, but there's some people who are like celebrity therapists, right? They charge whatever because they can and they found that it works for them. There's some people who only take insurance. There's people who only take private pay, which is like $150, $200. Then there's people who take like Medicaid, Medicare, who help yeah. those populations specifically. And there's a great therapist in all the different levels, right? It's like buying clothes. Some of us can't afford everything to be designer. Some of us can't go and buy everything. So I always right. tell people, you you like a lot of things, you have to find what works for you financially. And yeah. I always, that's a that's a big disclaimer in therapy too, because one thing I don't want to do is add stress to someone by now they have another financial obligation. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if this session costs too much for you and that's adding stress to you, I feel like that is counterproductive for me mm-hmm. because we're trying to you know decrease and eliminate some things, not add to it. So then, you know, I feel obligated to now help them try to find somebody who may take their insurance or may have a sliding scale, you know, things like that. Yeah, it's like a lawyer. You everything from a public defender to ten thousand to to, for me to show up. Find a gym. Sometimes you'll find a gym that's a that's a public defender. You know, you don't have to go the super expensive route. Right. Yeah. So we've talked, you know, touched on on veterans and enrich your experience with that. And last month was Veterans Month. And um, I actually looked this up and I thought this was very interesting. So um, it's always said that, you know, 22 vets a day commit suicide. Um, But as of 2022, and I thought this was a very interesting statistic, um, veterans that are in the VA health system. So actively seeing a therapist through the VA um, have a suicide rate of 34.1 per 100,000. Those who are not in VA care have a suicide rate of 23.8 out of 100,000. So there's 10 less people who are not seeing a therapist um, through the VA that are, are actually committing suicide. So I actually wanna ask this question to Rich and then I'll, I'll ask um, Rod and Anthony, but why do you feel the suicide rate is higher to, for those who are actually seeing a therapist through the VA? Mm, a disclaimer, uh, Rich is not a doctor and uh, his opinions are not necessarily those. But you go to the VA though. That's I do. No, that's that's, that's why I'm getting ready to say this. Uh, The VA is trash. Absolute dog shit. I mean, it is by far one of the worst things ever. Here are a few reasons why. One. Want to know why? Here's why. I can schedule. I'll call the VA today after sitting on hold for 45 minutes. I'll get in touch with a rep. Who will say, okay, we can make your appointment, sir. Your appointment is going to be March 9th. It's December 6th. And the first time I can see somebody is fucking four months from now. There's so much shit between now and four months from now that will happen that eventually I'm going to say, you know what? Fuck it. I won't even go. Because I didn't forgot. It's four months from now. The VA is terrible their resources are more spent 
on surgeons and high tech fucking surgery than it is for those like therapists and, and just common people. Um, I believe also that the VA is over. It sucks, but it's oversaturated with veterans in the sense of there's one VA hospital in our area, which is in Houston downtown. That area services just about five of the surrounding cities, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas. I, I don't know if there's one in Dallas, but I think around Dallas, Houston, Cypress. So if you live in the surrounding areas, which are about two and a half to three yeah, hours. Saying, they're all huge. Inward, every city all, you just all, mentioned. Every city I named is a major city. Come to one VA. So imagine being told that your appointment is four months from now and you have to drive two and a half hours to go see a doctor for 30 fucking minutes. But you can't go anywhere else because your VA insurance will not cover anywhere else. Yeah. It's trash. They treat they all they treat veterans worse on the outside than they treat obviously treat the military on the inside. It's easy for me to go find a vet or I'm sorry, a therapist while I'm in because I have Tricare, which is a prime insurance that will take that a lot of uh, therapists will they take. love that. They love Tricare. <laughs> they they'll love take it. Tricare. They'll take Tricare before they take Medicaid. Before they mm -hmm. take, they will take Tricare. When you get out though, Tricare is only offered to those who retire, which is also trash. Those that are medically separated, and um, and vet and active duty, it's not offered to an actual vet. Mm -hmm. And for those reasons, I find that pe most people are like, you know what? I'll be happier on the outside than trying to add all the stresses of going to the fucking VA. Right. The waiting, the parking is atrocious. The I have to wake up at seven to be at an eleven o'clock appointment to sit around and wait. The depressing mood because it's 95 fucking million old people there. All vets from Korean Vietnam War that look like all hell has beat the shit out of them. And it's 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 a depressing sight. And then a lot of those therapists are civilians. And that's one thing, like I talked about finding people that look like me in um in therapy for vets, they want people that are like them. Other veterans, not the civilian doctor that you found down the street. Mm -hmm. No, the veteran that when I talk about what happened in Afghanistan, they understand what happened in Afghanistan because either them themselves have been there or they've been to a war themselves. So they understand. They understand what PTSD looks like, what it is and how it's not just a cop out for certain things. But I don't think the VA takes its veterans serious. I don't think they take them seriously and they just kind of scoff them off and they just kind of brush them off and just leave them to the fucking wind. But that's, that's my long rant on the VA. It's trash. Right. Without having to go into detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I just, I thought that was very interesting in general. So I, to speak to your point, I understand that the, the VA is oversaturated. Um, and it's sad because if there's anyone who needs mental health services, it is people who have been through, you know, what you've been through. Um, and you don't even have to actually deploy to have seen some shit or gone through some oh, shit that fucks no, with you. Not at all. So, right. you, you'll see shit just on the, just by dealing with other people in your unit who have, may have been um, to, to, uh, to, 
theater and back and just dealing with their leadership styles, how they treat people, mm-hmm. how you treat people. A lot of our women, uh, female veterans, the things that they have to deal with through uh, uh, sexual assault, rape, harassment, all kinds of things that they deal with while in coming out. Like it's a plethora of things that they deal with. You know, theater is just one of them, but there's a lot of stuff that you could deal with. The racism that still that exists inside the military, and a lot of our active duty members won't say it because they're still active duty. But I don't give a fuck. I'm going to say it. Yes, the racism that exists till this day inside of the military. Right. It's one. It's one of those things that that, that any sane person, I would tell them, no, bro, go to college. <laughs> like, like you can get the same thing in college without the stressors uh, of another grown man trying to tell you what to do over and over again. True. <laughs> um but yeah did um did you guys have anything you wanted to to add in your in that no. so um i i guess like rich was saying that you know the the availability of the the specific type of therapist that each person may need in in order to be successful is is very limited. Like I remember when I was working at an agency, I was the only male therapist there. Then there was another uh, agency I worked at. I was the only black male therapist there. So it's, and then, you know, the, the population that we were serving at the time, I was working with uh, kids and families. Um, it, every, every parent was, like a single mom and she wanted a male therapist for her teenage son mm-hmm. so that he could, you know, learn the, you know, the stuff about manhood and things like that, get some discipline and, and learn, you know, how to express himself appropriately. It is such a lack of, you know, the, especially our people in this field um, that, by the time you go through all the therapists, like uh, Rich was saying, you you look and you look and you look, um, and if it's not easy, y'all don't want it. So what up, Latu? By that time, you you may not even want the service. By the time you finally find the person that you think might be a fit for you, because it, it it's you'd be like, I don't know, I don't know about this person. What where they've been at all this time? I've been searching and searching. I haven't found anybody. Yeah. There's there's also um I don't know how many people know because they probably don't apply for therapist jobs to VA, but VA has certain standards that have to be you have to go to a certain school to be a certain type of master's program mm-hmm. to get a VA job mm-hmm. as a therapist, which denies like a lot of therapists, right? So they thought by creating such a high standard for the therapists that work for the VA. They actually did the opposite. It denied a lot of people from different backgrounds the opportunity to be a therapist or social worker at the VA. And it's been an ongoing discussion for a while because there's people who apply all the time uh, for those social work and therapist jobs, but they're denied based off of their school not having a specific credentialing or certification. And that's mm-hmm. something that you know the general public don't know about because you're not looking for a therapist job. And that's something I found out a couple of years ago because I did apply for one and I went to HBCU for grad school 
And they were like, it wasn't a KCREP school, which is this certain yep. credentialing or certification for a counseling program. And then you look up the list of them. There's some states that may only have one or two mm. of those type of colleges that are a lot of times the big colleges, mm. you know, mm-hmm. like real, like UCLA or something, right? Right. So then that limits like millions of people, right? right? So then they're like, like people like you have served and dedicated time in your life and all these other things. You're like, why don't we have quality therapists? Why don't we have diverse therapists? They don't tell you because I'll be denied them all because of this law that was put in place. So there's things like that that you would never know about. And that's probably a lot of reason. Unfortunately, a lot of veterans aren't getting the, the, the quality of care they, they need or deserve. Yeah. And, and to me, that's the thing. It's, it's quality because you've overworked the therapists that are there. Mm-hmm. And by the time I go see my therapist, she's already seen or, or he's already seen nine people that day. And they're spending 45 minutes per person. They've already seen nine people that day. And not to say that they don't care, but to the way I feel, by the time they get to me, they're tired. They don't give a shit. They, they don't give a shit anymore. Like Whatever we can say to make him feel like he feels good and then get him out of my face. Because I got a full schedule of 15 people today. I have a full schedule of 15 people tomorrow, so on and so forth. And all they do is spend most of their day in their office listening to stuff. And I feel like after a while, they get burnt out. Because the the VA is is not quality, it's quantity. They want as many people in and out as soon as possible. But it and, and you and you and you pretty much deprive veterans of quality care, which is why a lot of us really hate going. And if we can just find our own insurance, a lot of us would never go. We'd never go to the VA. If if they offered if they offered Tricare as a veterans uh, um, insurance benefit. program benefits that you pay for, you know, even though you don't really pay much for it in, but if they offered a, a good rate when you get out, I guarantee you a lot of veterans would never go to the VA. Never. Yeah, Jamal said my therapist is tired and overworked. She quit before my appointment and I haven't found anyone good at the VA since. So, I understand. So, as far as, um, you know, the people in our life, right? It's holiday season. Um, even if it isn't depression, they're just, they're, they're feeling down. Um, what would you say, or what, what would you suggest, um, you know, is said to a person in our life that we care about that may be feeling depressed or, um, who comes to us saying, you know, I, I couldn't get out of bed today. What are, what would you suggest as our therapist friends? Um, that we, mm-hmm. we say to, to our friend or our loved ones, how can we help? Um, I would say the biggest thing is, uh, utilize your support system. Um, that is big. Um, if you have a support system, um, I can't tell you how huge that is. It makes a, it makes a big difference. Um, when someone has family and friends who care and, uh, check in on them uh, as opposed to somebody who doesn't, um, especially around uh, this time of year. So definitely uh, utilizing your support system. Um, Keep doing the things that you, you typically do. I know that you may, um, you know, you, if you like to go on walks and stuff like that, you may have to switch up your schedule or, or make adjustments and things like that, but, you know, make time to do the things that you enjoy doing. Um, regardless of, you know, whether the, the weather is 
gloomy or not continue with the routine, the uh, your your positive outlets that you have. Um, those would be the 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 big two for me is uh, you know stick with your routine of your positive outlets and utilize your support system. Yeah. You know, to kind of piggyback back off of that, you know, a common theme I hear from people in therapy is they just feel like people don't check on them. So, you know, it, it's, it seems very, you know, small, but some people really want you to just ask, how are they? How are you doing? How's your life? How's your day? How's the kids? Different things like that. And so you talk to people often and don't ever really discuss how they are doing. You talk about a specific subject or, or you know, what, what are we doing for Thanksgiving? What are we doing for Christmas? Where are we going? But you never ask them, like, how are you doing, you know, overall? And people then, you know, that makes them feel like nobody cares about them. They're like, I help people. I talk to people all the time. Nobody actually ever ha- asked me because, you know, we're, we're prideful people, right? Who wants to say, check on me, ask me how I'm doing before we start talking, right? And then it gets kind of weird. It gets kind of awkward. Then I kind of feel like they think that defeats the purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So those are conversations people have in therapy sometimes as well. It's like I talk to all these people, whether it's at work or home, personal life. Nobody ever asks how I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people aren't doing well. But, you know, it's, it's hard to just be forthcoming, but it's easier if somebody just asks you and then you can start that conversation. Yeah. And and you don't feel like if you're the, uh, you know, the friend that's checking in, don't feel like you have to have like magic words or say this special phrase or, or whatever, um, to, you know, check in on somebody. You can just be like, hey, man, you good? You need something? You OK? You want to talk? Yeah. It doesn't have to be in, and you don't have to have all the answers. It's okay. Yeah. Sometimes they just need somebody to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't have all the answers either. Definitely. You don't. know, so it, it, <laughs> people just want to be heard and seen and to have a space to talk about, you know, whatever they have going on sometimes. Right. Some people just want somebody that'll help them figure out the answers to their problems. That's what we do as therapists we don't we don't all have the answers but we can figure it out together we got mm-hmm. some tools you got some tools let's put our tools together and see if we can figure out this thing together well as a nun therapist one of my answers is always to go to the gym um i know a lot of people they they scoff and laugh at it but no legit exercise actually uh can help combat um symptoms of depression i'm not yeah. saying that it stops the shit but symptoms of it um i get up i wear obviously I, I work at a gym but i get up i go and i you know i work out whenever i'm aggravated or upset you know i pick something up heavy and i lift that and i put that shit down and i go back and forth and a lot of people i see um i every day faithful i open up the gym at 3:45 in the morning and faithfully every day i have the same guy that comes in every day at 4 a.m 4 a.m he's a he's a veteran he comes in he works out for about an hour and a half and he leaves. And I, I want to say it's a part of his, you know, his routine that kind of helps him get going throughout the day. But uh, when I get in there, man, a lot of people, a lot of people in the gym are friendly. Um, you know, they'll, they don't mind having a conversation with you. Um, and it just it helps with the interaction. So I always say get out, go to the gym, do your hobbies. If you have a hobby, if you don't have a hobby, find a hobby. Mm-hmm. Do it when it doesn't involve any criminal activities. Um, do that, um, you know. So, 
I played Pokemon. That's why I met a lot of my friends, um, like Brittany and like Jamal. Uh, I, that's what I do. And so as a hobby, if I'm feeling upset, I'll get on, I'll talk shit, and I'll bait one of them into a Pokemon battle. And then, you know, <laughs> I go at it from there. Uh, right. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, same thing Rich said, as far as finding communities, maybe you, you really feel like you don't have a support system. Maybe you feel like your friends never reach out to you, but there are communities. Um, I mean, everyone on this screen right now, I have met through the internet. You know what I mean? Like, so finding the communities that that fit for you, that is a niche for you. I also think this is a very important time to say that, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, if no one's there to answer the phone, the suicide hotline does exist. Um, and it doesn't have to be you're ready to, to go that far. It could be you need someone to talk to. Um, and that number is 988 now. It's no longer a full phone number to remember. So you have 911 for you know, m medical emergencies, police emergencies, and you have 988 for mental health emergencies. So yeah. utilize that in, in the periods in which you may not be able to talk to a friend or a family member, um, or you just feel like they're not there for you. Yeah. So and, and last rant, if you're going to be that person that says, call me anytime, pick up the actual damn phone. <laughs> I, I don't say call me anytime because I know that that's not true. Now you can call me and I'll most likely get back answer. to you. I'll get back to you. But if you say, yeah, man, don't worry about it. You can call me at any time. I say that to very specific people that I know, no matter what, I will answer the phone. My wife, my cousin, my best friend, obviously my children. But, you know, if you're going to be that person, be that person. People actually reach out to people like that when they say that. So if Jamal says, hey, Rich, you can call me at any time. And then I call Jamal at 2.30 because I need somebody to talk to and then he don't answer. That's to me, that kind of hurts a little bit because you're like, bro, you said call you and every time I'm trying to reach out to you, you don't answer. Right. You know? So if you're going to be that person that say that, mean that shit. If not, tell people to call you during your business hours. <laughs> um, and speaking of business hours, this episode and every episode is brought to you by RDI Financial. You know, they work day round, 24-7 to ensure that your credit needs. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> They're working all day long, 24-7, Christmas morning to Christmas nah, night. Nah, you can go ahead and look uh, that's a lot. <laughs> We ain't working no, like that. But make sure you guys hit up RDI-Financial for all your credit and financial needs. It's holiday season. I know you're spending that credit yeah. card yeah. up. So make sure you guys hit him up to, to make make sure your stuff shit. Your, your stuff shit while your shit is good. That's what we're going to say. We don't mm -hmm. need it at that because words, right? It's the end of the podcast. Like, get them <laughs> together. Um, make sure you guys hit us up um, on all forms of social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter. TikTok, Instagram, um, follow us on YouTube, like and subscribe. Did you guys want to plug yourselves, Rod, Anthony? You have you know, anything you want to drop in there? Um, no. <laughs> okay. No, Rod said, "Don't follow me." Right. He's <laughs> like, "I am busy." Okay. <laughs> um, but I know Anthony, you 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 have anything you want to plug? You doing um, any, any DJing I'm, this season? No, I'm I'm semi-retired right now. I'm doing okay. the most. So, so just the end of the year, I'm taking it easy. Besides Absolutely. my wife's holiday party, that's the only thing I got playing mm. DJing. So gotcha. Gotcha. Well, um, until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay unapologetically black. Have a good night. Gang. <laughs>